Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody, and welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Will. And I'm Brian. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from happy hexblades to hateful hunters. And today, we're talking about humans. Okay, Brian, so today I'm going to tell you how to human. Oh, you don't need to. Oh, I don't need to? I am human. That's true. You are human. (laughs) Well, these are D&D humans, and I mean, I have an argument for that. They're not quite the same as real life humans. Oh, wait. Maybe you should then. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, today we're talking about humans. It's the final race in the PHB that we haven't talked about yet, so we're talking about it today. Um, I've been kind of putting this episode off, not because I haven't been wanting to talk about it, but... I've I don't know when it when it comes to the other races you have all this lore and like concrete like mechanics and stuff to talk about but with humans it's more of I I guess a flavor conversation I don't, I don't know I don't know how to put it like there's a lot to talk about and I have a lot to say it sounds like you're trying to say like your humans are based off of like your own concept of them and how they fit into your world? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, yeah, to a certain degree. I mean, we're going to talk about how humans fit into the generic world of Dungeons & Dragons and what that means. But also, I'm going to talk about, like, well, it doesn't have to be that way, and it could be a lot of other ways. Okay. And I think a lot of people are like, okay, well, it's humans. What what is there to talk about? We're all human. We all understand what humans are. But But do you, though? But do you, though? (laughs) You would think, like, oh, I'm human, so I understand humans, but that's 
I mean, have you turned on the news? Well, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> um, but, well, I mean, one of the things about humans is that they're so self-explanatory that it's not necessary to explore their, their race. Well, yeah, and it's that the most actually, relatable race in the player's handbook. True. Because and th- we are humans. And that's a big... Or are we dancer? <laughs> it, that's actually a big reason to play them which we'll get into so let's let's just mechanically speaking as somebody who plays dungeons and dragons it is one of the most interesting races to play I yeah feel like humans are probably my favorite uh race to play it, in D. like i just um, built a human and it was like the most customizable thing i've they ever really touched. are and that that's one of their many shticks but um i think out of, out of every three characters at least one maybe two of them will be human it just it didn't used to be like that. When I first started, I was really under the the um, opinion of like, well, you're playing a fantasy game. Why would you want to be human? But there's right. actually a lot of reasons. And let's 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 just get yeah, into it. Yeah, we should talk about it. Okay. So humans are a very self explanatory playable race in D and D, entirely based on us in real life hum- humans. Um, they are most often portrayed as the most populous race, regardless of setting or edition. Yeah. Um, in fact, in first and second edition. Humans were considered to be the baseline race, and that all the non-human playable races, like dwarves and elves and whatnot, were considered demi-humans. So they're oh. like almost like a subset of humanity oh. in a weird way. That's weird. Okay, like like uh, not lore-wise, just like they like, got hit by fallout, or like are we talking about like Darwinism when they move into like a different region? Like uh, you became elves because these humans started living in the Fey. Not explained in, in that way, although there is a fantasy series. Um, <laughs> you became dwarves because you started digging holes in mountains. Yeah, there there is a fantasy series that I'm God, I'm struggling to find the name of. Um, the Shannara series, where basically spoilers, I guess uh, the concept is that all these elves and gnomes and dwarves are uh, the result of like radiation and mutation and whatnot. And oh so yeah, the, okay. It's so far into the future that it seems like this fantasy past, if you will. But anyways, <laughs> they're really just freaks. Yeah, they're really just freaks. Yeah. Uh, anyways, <laughs> Gross, okay. So unlike the other races of D and D, humans are usually depicted as lacking in any inherent abilities or magics. Oh yeah. Uh, they canonically make up for this by being noted to be the most adaptable, ambitious, and resourceful of all the races. The idea being that when hum- humans put their minds to it, they can excel at any in all things mm-hmm. um this is both reflected in the lore but also in their mechanics as you said yeah they're very customizable there's nothing there's no class a human can't excel at yeah especially with like picking your background and stuff like that if there's a skill that you needed them to have you can probably figure out a way for them to have it exactly you get to like you just get to like pick skills right yeah if you choose the variant yeah. uh, human which why wouldn't you um, yeah. yeah, very much so. Well, sometimes like I got a lot of odd numbers on my chart. And that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the standard human can also be very attractive. And you just get um, more powerful like all around. Yeah, it's, it's true. Pretty fun. It's very pretty true. Fun. So another thing that's kind of played up when it comes to humans in D&D is their curiosity and their penchant for migration and exploration. Mm. Um, it's kind of used as one of the reasons that humans have spread so prolifically throughout the land. I and, see. You know, why there's all these varying cultures and customs compared to other Okay. Uh, um, races. Another shtick is that humans are given, um, in comparison to other races, a, they have a certain genetic malleability and virility. Um, base, okay, two things here. So basically, unlike the other races, there are no typical humans. Humans can be anywhere from four to six feet tall, anywhere from 100 to 300 pounds. They have a huge range of body types, hairstyles, or hair types, colors, skin colors, varying ethnicities, uh, cu- customs, and cultures. While other races are more easily categorized by subrace. Like okay. elves have a have a typical build and look. Like they don't have this wide varying body type. You know what I mean? 
Um, and on top of it, uh, well, the, the second point really is that humanity has this uh, ability to interbreed and mix genetics with almost anything. Yeah, the that's only why you have half orcs. Right, that's why you have half orcs, uh, half elves, tieflings, genasi, asmr, they're all uh, the result like of human subtypes, pretty much. Exactly. Um, the only other race that kind of compares to humans in this regard is dragons, who also can interbreed with most things. I was going to say, things. like, dragonborn are kind of like... There's a lot of variety there as far as like there is color, yeah. like skin type, scale type. I don't yeah, know. there's a lot of genetic malleability when it comes to dragons as well, for sure. But, but again, the general idea here is that while other races tend to be like this one flavor, humanity is this wide and multicolored spectrum. As adaptable as their stat block. Exactly. So this doesn't stand for all settings, but another thing commonly attributed to humanity is that it is often depicted as the youngest of the races. Oh, like really? Yeah, they, like, they came along a little bit later. Like the elves and the dwarves and whatnot were here probably millennia before the humans showed up. Oh, wow. Which is it's pretty curious to me because like while this is almost always considered to be the case, like regardless of your setting, the origins of humanity are almost never explained. Yeah, okay. Like, it's there's there's rarely ever like a human creation myth. Um, there's there's almost never like a god of the humans or a pantheon of the humans. Yeah, like presented. how elves, elves got like pooped out by a god and then like, right. there was a bunch of fighting and they split right. off into all these different kinds of elves. Ex exactly. It's as if the humans just sprouted out of the ground one day oh, and now they're know. taking over. <laughs> <laughs> like that it's just it's just never explained. And I think the reason it's never explained is because no one asks the question because it's like, oh humans, of course there's humans. We're human. Yeah. I yeah. mean like of course there's like it lends you the ability to insert like a portion of yourself into this fantasy world. Very much so. Like what would a human be doing with all of this fantastic stuff going right, on? Right, exactly. Um, as a matter of fact, the fact that there isn't like a deity of humanity or even uh, like a creation myth is in its own way kind of played up uh, with the lore because... I really thought there would be. I really when you, before like, we started this episode, I was like, I'm gonna find out like, where humans come from. Yeah, or like what nope. god they <laughs> typically worship. Nope. Or... But the, okay, but this is kind of played out because all the various gods are always trying to gain and hold sway over the humans. Because there's a, a gang of them. Because there's, there's a lot a, of them. A mess of and them. no one owns them. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they and, choose their owner. And it's they sign that devil contract. And, and this is why the humans have the most wide and varied of religions compared to all the other races. It's why the demon and devil cults are usually a human issue, since all the other races usually have like a god with dibs on those souls. Right. Okay. But Asmo is always trying to get more humans. Yeah. You know, because he like, can. He's just like walking through like an apple orchard, basically. Basically, like, pick, yeah. Like filling his basket. Like, no one, no one owns these fields. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, For sure. So there it is. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's kind of played up in a way. Um, wow. And and. Also, all in all, humans are very much at the center of the major events in D&D. Like, they're the most numerous. They're the most widespread race. They have... They're always getting their asses attacked. Yeah, they have <laughs> relationships, and they interbreed with most of the other races. Um, they're always a very special interest to the various powers of the multiverse, as we just oh, discussed. Man. There's no particular god protecting them. True, basically exactly. That There's that as well. Also. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And because of their ambition, their curiosity, their tenacity, and their lack of history and experience okay. that like the elves and dwarves have, they're often found at the forefront of getting shit done, both good and bad. Like they haven't made all the mistakes that the elves already made. They're right. like a learning race. So like they're still having issues with like 
evil necromancers taking over the land because they haven't dealt with that problem yet. yeah they, there was a whole town built on like this muddy like they didn't know about all of the underground like water flow and just like a bunch of their buildings started to sink yeah, yeah. sure yeah they, exactly they just had to like move so, on all in all they are yeah. elves were like don't build there and they were like you don't know shit you don't and know then, yeah no nah. <laughs> don't tell me i live my life <laughs> um all in all though humans are the movers and shakers of the D world and i think that like I mean, I think obviously the reason that this is the case is because D&D humans are the representation of us. And if there's anything true about real actual humans, we think that we're the center of the universe and we love to talk about ourselves and how great we are. And if there's anybody getting shit done... It's humans. They're getting shit done. True. It's true. We do. We do definitely get shit done. No matter what it is, it's it's getting like good or bad. It's getting done. Indeed. Humans, we get shit done. But why even even with all this, like why actually play a human in a fantasy world, Brian? Well, the versatility is like what really draws me to play it. Right. Why would why would you? Well, I'm going to tell you all about how how and why I feel about this. But after the short rest, I like short rests. (laughs) Yeah. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everybody, welcome to the part of the episode we're not talking about the last thing we were talking about. We're talking about some different humans. I want to thank some people <laughs> that came into Patreon. It's going to be uh, first Casey. Thank you, Casey. Thank you, Casey. And Lauren Thompson. Thank you, Lauren. If you were waiting for your shout out, here it is. Thank you, guys. 
Um, if you want to find our Patreon, it's patreon.com slash the dungeon cast. There's a lot of cool stuff going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be dropping a game into the $20 tier. We're dropping a game right now every two weeks into the $10 tier called yeah. F-Bats for mm-hmm. short. But it's a superhero game set in Waterdeep, and it's really fucking cool. So if you want to go check that out, that's where you can find it. Indeed. Um, if you want to check out our Vault Raiders that we record, what, like annually pretty much? Biannually. Like, Biannually. Twice a year. Yeah, we... Um, those are some cool one-shot adventures you could check out. They're like fully fleshed out with like sound effects and music and all this cool stuff that we do. Um, you can check those out. And also that tier is where you can get early episodes. So mm-hmm. if you want to hear us talking to you about Dungeons & Dragons earlier than normal, you can go do it there. Um, <laughs> otherwise, yeah. And we shout you out on the show if you patron us. Indeed we do. If you apply money to us, mm-hmm. which we appreciate mm-hmm. greatly. Very much. Um, but yeah, otherwise, check us out on YouTube. That's If you're not doing that, hit the subscribe button. We'd really appreciate it. Or tell a friend about the show if you want to help us out. Those are all great ways you could support us if you feel like it. And we hope that you do. Um, and if you're, if you're looking for a wonderful D&D community, I recommend our Discord. Uh, we have quite the community growing there. A lot of cool conversations going on. And yeah, yeah, you guys are out. awesome. It's a lot of fun just getting in there. <laughs> I, I like the off topic personally. Right. <laughs> there was a, Everybody was posting their dogs in there. That was great. Yeah, I saw that. It was really nice. Yeah. It was really cool. But yeah. Yeah, check out our, and thank you for everybody that helps us run the Discord. We don't yeah. run that; that's fan run, and um, we really appreciate super appreciate the admins it. and the moderators. You guys do a great job, indeed. Um, yeah, uh, find us on Twitter at the Dungeon Cast. Find us on SoundCloud.com/slash the Dungeon Cast. Did I miss something? No, I think we're good. Oh, the Dungeon Cast at gmail.com if you want to leave us any questions. Oh, that's comments. true. That's true. Um, let's go back to the show. Back to the show. All right, Brian. We are back. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) So um, as I was saying before, I see it asked a lot. Like, why be human in a fantasy role-playing game where you can be all these other magnificent magical races like tieflings, elves, dwarves, basically? Especially elves. Why not just be superhuman? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Why not just be Legolas? (laughs) Like ambidextrous Um, and like beautiful. Right, exactly. forever. Um, and I mean, there's a certain amount of merit to that argument, but and I used to feel similarly, like I said before, in the first few years of my my role playing. But nowadays, I I, I tend to role play humans uh, about fifty percent of the time. Yeah, I feel um, like when you pick another race, you're kind of predisposed to run uh, their personality a certain way. Right. Well, let let's get into that. So, yeah. okay, there are tons of reasons to play humans over other races, and I think for me personally, it's mostly about role play flexibility. Oftentimes. Um, there's a lot of baggage, uh, a lot of lore and setting considerations to have when that come with role-playing elves and dwarves and et cetera. Um, you have to actively think about how your race fits into your character concept and keep it in the back of your mind as you role-play. True. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, like that very fact is what attracts me to playing non-humans when I do. Um, when I, I usually play a non-human uh, race when... I think of like an interesting class race combo or rat or race background dynamic that I want to explore. Um, case in point, my tiefling paladin character, D'Artagnan Bloodthane, like being a tiefling is a huge part of everything about him, right? In a way, like, and the thing that I wanted to explore was well, supposedly the tieflings used to have an empire long, long ago. Well, what if the tieflings like tried to regain that um their footing socially that that social identity that they mm-hmm. once had and like so he's actually a noble tiefling which is not something you usually see in vanilla D because right. usually they are people with no home and like what does that mean what kind of people would they be especially after everything they've 
gone through and like what what is their racial identity in that scenario so like that's the entire point of d'artagnan bloodthane and why i have so much fun playing him but like and this isn't to say that when you role play non-humans that you have to have the race at the forefront of your character's con- conception like you don't have to of course not um but for me personally i think it breaks the immersion a little bit if you just ignore the fact that you're an elf or a tiefling and what that means in your world if okay. you're just like i know a lot of people will just pick the race that like mechanically um uh, complements their class like right an elven ranger or, or whatever and or like a halfling no- rogue or a halfling rogue and there's nothing really wrong with that it's just it, I mean, the game's kind of set up for you to do that type of thing to a certain extent yeah, yeah. Like, there, it, there's a reason it works well mechanically right because they built it that way exactly very much so but for me like just doing that and then ignoring the fact that I'm a that I'm an elf and not taking that into consideration. It's just like, oh, so you're basically running a human with elf stats. And yeah, I, that's just not an attractive concept for me personally. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. It's just certainly not how I want to play the game. Yeah. And when I say you're predisposed to have some characteristics or all the characteristics of that race, I mean, like that culturally should repre- have be represented in some way through your role play like that right. you grew up as an elf and now you're out adventuring in the world that should kind of play into your persona same thing with being a human but there's so much versatility where did this human grow up was this human raised in the fucking jungle like are you raised by wolves like there's so many options did you live with elves for a time like right like what kind of personality basically they're like play-doh to me right i i agree very much so yeah and and when i have a um my approach to role play is when I think of a character concept, I'm usually thinking of a personality that I want to try to like personify mm-hmm. in my, in my game. Right. And then I'm like, well, what complements that uh, yeah. socially? Yeah. So yeah. like for some characters, it's like, I want to be like kind of a carefree, like nomadic, like I don't really give a fuck. I'm going for it kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I made a, I made a dwarf druid, you know, like, okay. Yeah, like yeah, kind of hip, hippie, yeah. but like rough and tumble <laughs> right, and gruff, right. you know, something like yeah. that. But when I go for a human, like my last character, I made basically like a real nasty, like used car salesman type, right? Like that, I instantly think of humans because that's who I am, like role playing. Or I thought of gnome, I thought of like dwarf, right? Also, but well, it, it's just there. There's a certain amount of role play flexibility, right? Is really what it comes down to, and like that's my personal reason, and. I, even though that is my personal reason, I think this roleplay f- flexibility affects a lot more players than you would initially think. Because, like, there's this real tendency for players, especially new ones, to fall back on certain, like, racial stereotypes when it comes to roleplaying uh, uh-huh. non-humans. Okay. Um, you know, and it, I don't think it's 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 intentional, but it unintentionally can make the character very two-dimensional. And I think, like, okay, you're playing a dwarf. It's like, oh, yeah, dwarves hate elves. You know, like, yeah. they say Morden's beard and they talk in, like, a Scottish accent, you yes. know. Or you get your edgelord drow and tieflings, which, again, there's nothing wrong with necessarily playing that. But it is, it can be overdone and it can be... It can be uh, creatively bankrupt to a certain degree. Yeah, a little dry. A like little dry. Because you're a little playing overdone. You're playing into the stereotype. The, but there's like, if that's what you're going for and that's what you want. Yeah. Then, and that being said, yeah. like, the stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason to a certain degree, and they can be fun to explain. You know, how many times have I seen like a Cockney accented half orc barbarian? Like, oh, yeah, that okay. itself is a stereotype. But Cockney accented half orc barbarians are cool and fun to play. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know. <laughs> 
it's a, it's it's a just, little bit of both. It's about what you want, yeah. but yeah. Um, like for my character that I recently made, I wanted uh, a certain set of skills, if you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wanted specific ones, and I right. was like, "How do I get this combination?" Like, right? It was really difficult to get with the class I was going for, mm. and like, really, the only way I could do it was with human, human or half elf. Yeah, which is yeah, half human. pretty much. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there it is. there it is. Yeah, I, I like, mean, yeah, and that's kind of one of the things with, with half elves is they have quite a bit of that human versatility and malleability right so, they, so yeah. they truly do yeah um okay but but as i was saying um so so when it comes to playing these other races especially for new players they will tend to really fall back on a lot of these like two-dimensional uh, racial stereotypes meanwhile if you put those same players in in same class same stats same everything but make them human uh these players will have an easier time exploring their character's personality uh, because they're not busy thinking about what would an elf say, what would a dwarf True. say, what, yeah. you know, what would a dwarf sound like. Um, they're just busy being the character. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, I'm not saying that you can't do this with uh, with an elf. Like obviously you can. It's just there's this tendency for people to do this because it's it's easier to fall back on these right. stereotypes. Like all I have to relate to are the tropes usually that yeah. I see. Um, right. right. So that's kind of where I'm drawing the inspiration from and it can come out, you know, dry, like we said. Right. Not necessarily, but a lot of time. So another thing, uh, another case for ruling a human, um, or at least having a human member uh, in the party, is that humans provide a certain normalcy factor to the party because if everyone and everything is magical and fantastic and awesome in origin and nature, then nothing is. It's yeah. all, it all becomes you normal. You raise the standard to yeah, that. exactly. But having a character a bit more grounded in like the mundane, uh, it gives all that magical bullshit context for how awesome it is. You know what I mean? Like this you're, is why we get, you're the bar and, and it's humid and it's like down here and this guy's, right. a, this guy's an elf. Right. Right. Well, and like this or is why Adrian at that. Right. This is why we have in fiction. A lot of times ride along characters, characters that we as the audience are supposed to relate to because we're not, it's like, okay, I'll use X-Men. Jubilee is the ride-along character in the animated, all the animated series. series. Yeah. Her powers aren't all that impressive, and she's always kind of getting in trouble, and she's kind of just there to watch the rest of them be awesome. Ask questions and like, that the audience would ask. Whether that's good or, exactly. Whether that's good or bad, that, that's, you know, that's an opinion, but like, that's what she's there for, and like, there's a reason that that is a trope throughout a lot of fiction, because... You how do we get the audience to relate exactly? And exactly how do we that. explain things fluidly to like why would this character explain this concept that's normal to them mm-hmm. in this context? Like, mm-hmm. well, somebody has to ask the question. Right. Who's going to do that? Yeah, it's exactly. going to be Mickey from like Doctor Who or whatever. Right. You know, like I don't he, know Doctor Who. But Doctor Who okay. always has uh, like somebody that he just brings along, the companion character, gotcha. and it's that's the ride along character, yeah. and they're always like, "What the hell are you doing?" That's and he's your, like, "This is what I do every day, bitch." <laughs> <laughs> magic, uh, magic screwdriver, motherfucker. Ah. <laughs> oh no, a door. It's made of wood. Fuck, oh, we're oh fucked. Gosh. Um, <laughs> that's your normalcy factor, though. You yeah, know like, what I mean? Yep. Um, another thing about the normalcy factor, though, is because like, okay, like yeah, it sets the 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 standard bar lower. But that doesn't make that doesn't mean that because you're human you are lower or less awesome. There's also this um, normie factor of like the normal of the group is its own form of exceptionalism. 
because like while everyone else is magical and and crazy and awesome and you're just a guy that makes you in a way super badass for hanging hanging with yeah. all these it's like one of the best guys yeah it's like batman like batman hangs with people he has no business hanging with but because he's so goddamn awesome he has like, all the business doing it exactly yeah. you know he's hanging with superman and wonder woman and he's just technically a normal human and like the luke skywalker character at least for the first you know for, um a new hope mm-hmm. that He's the ride along character for that. Very much that so. one. Yeah, absolutely. He has no idea what the hell's going on until it starts going on. That's why it just starts being exceptional as the movie as, continues. Yeah, he he goes through the hero's journey, which right. again is something that you as role playing human could very much do in a D and D game. Um, but my point is, like, there's there's this concept in fiction called badass normal. Have you okay. ever heard of that? Uh, not like, not well, phrased like that. I don't um, think so. I immediately the Punisher, understand it. the Punisher. He's badass normal. Like, right. Technically, he's just a human, but he's above that yeah because he did black more Widow. push-ups than everybody else exactly um um Sokka from uh avatar, avatar. yeah he's badass normal by the end of the series oh yeah yeah like he has no bending whatsoever but he still hangs tough yeah he does um, and like i said batman Man, he he grinds it out for a while before he starts doing yeah cool shit he's, too. He, isn't he isn't he like i remember him being the butt of a joke for a long time uh yeah, because he, he's like the guy that would like slip on the banana peel or right. whatever and like look like a doof. Well, in a way, he's kind of the ride along character in a way too for Avatar. Like he's the normal. He's yeah. a good personification of like what a human would be in D anD D too, because he has to become like ingenuitive to right. excel in this world of people, and they address it too. He's like, you guys basically do fucking magic. Yeah, like, I don't do any of that shit. Yeah. They have a whole episode about it. That's cool. I really and like, like all that. of a sudden, he's a sword master at the end of it, which is like part cool. of that that series problem. But whatever. I, I think it's cool. I mean, it become, is tropish. You but... mean all of them become amazing in this short period of time, and well, not just the one guy? But... Well, for me, it's like he he has attained badass normal. You know well, this I mean? is all happening in not like nine nine months of time goes by in the in that really? series. That's yeah. a really short amount of time. Yes, and he became a sword master in season three or some shit. Like he's already good. I don't know. I have my gripes with that show, but it's overall <laughs> no, it's good. But yeah, he's it's the right. It's very rare that any any story, even the good ones, are perfect. All all yeah. even the best stories have their flaws. So okay, but so that's kind of like my why you should play human <laughs> spiel, if you will. Um, but mechanically speaking, let's let's get into the mechanics for a little bit here. Okay. Um, humans are, as we kind of said before, the single most customizable race of choice. Uh, essentially, they are capable of playing any class exceptionally well. The standard human gets a flat plus one to all ability scores. Right. Um, which no is, one else gets that. Yeah, no one else gets that. That's that's basically a plus six to your ability. Everyone else is limited limited to a plus three. Are they yeah. also the only race not to get like a plus two to something? That's true. They they don't get a plus two to anything. Yeah, okay. And that kind of feeds into, the, like, humans aren't inherently amazing at anything. They okay. Have to, they have to technically work for it. Right, got it. So, so you could be at the end of, like, a level 20 campaign, you'll have high stats. And oh, yeah, you won't fall very far behind at all in any way, shape, or form. Uh, yeah, it's only one point. No, some people will argue, I, I will argue that the flat plus one to all ability scores is boring. But it's undeniably universally useful for any class. Yeah, I, it's more powerful statistically. I mean, like you're getting six extra points as opposed to three. Well, it, it's powerful statistically, but not compared to the variant human, which is what most people tend to take. If you're not aware what the variant human is, it's it is in the player's handbook. Yeah, it's um, like this little green uh, greened out like thought bubble looking thing. Exactly, and the variant human gets an extra skill of their choice, uh, which is great for literally any class, especially a lot of the classes 
don't get a lot of skill choices. Like I think the fighter, you only get to pick two for your class. Oh, really? Yeah, which is very limiting. But if you're human, it's you been get a while that since third I've been one. a fighter, right? So, so that extra skill is very useful, especially since it can be literally anything. So it's a nice way to get a skill that isn't part of your class or background. Yeah, you can get something fucking um, crazy. You can get like deception when you have no business having that. Right, exactly. Um, you also get a free feat at level one, which is extremely powerful and versatile because feats in 5e are very powerful. They are. And can really define what your character can do in a lot of ways. And then on top of it, you still do get a plus one to two abilities of your choice, which, if you ask me, is still like 70 to 80 percent as useful as the entire standard human array. Yeah, you can usually with a variant. I I took the variant in my last human build because it it got me it, it helped me attain the goal like the plus one to everything would have done that. But I wanted that extra skill really bad. I still haven't even picked the feet. I have oh, not yeah? applied that. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. I'm still waiting on oh, that. I, yeah, I didn't even ask you about the feet. I haven't picked it. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, I'm <laughs> excited about your decision. Oh, I'm going to be playing uh, this character in Will's game, and hopefully you guys will see it someday because yeah. we're planning on yeah. releasing that game to the public. We but are. We are. More indeed. about that probably Later. in like, like three weeks from now. Yeah, we'll get back to you on that. Yeah. So um, with all that being said, as a DM, you get to decide how humans fit into your game. All this other stuff, like, yeah, that's the normal way of doing it. It's the most common way of doing it. I mean, it's how I do it. But there are other ways that humans don't have to fit into to your world that way. So I wrote down a couple ways that, like, you could kind of spice it up and change the, the human dynamic of your game. Mm, spicy. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's get zesty. All right. So perhaps in your world, humans actually aren't all that prolific. Perhaps they were driven to near extinction. Oh. Yeah. And some other race <laughs> Which has makes filled sense. the void. By all this nasty bullshit. Yeah, that exactly. D and D is a dangerous uh world. So Especially like, for babies. It could happen. So it like number one, who fills the void? And how does that affect the entire world? And now if you are a human Does uh, anyone fill the void? Does anyone fill the void? That's that's another question. But another thing is if you do roll human in this kind of setting, uh, assuming that they are available, um, what is your relationship with the rest of the world? Like, how does the rest of the world see you? Like, yeah. Do they despise you? Were you guys driven to near extinction because you did bad? Yeah. And now, you went on too many capitalist ventures in other lands. Right. And now, and now, like, everybody hates your guts. Exactly. Now humans are, are a pariah. Or, like, are you pitied by the... Or do elves, like, pity you? And, like, maybe, maybe like, the, the few remaining humans that do exist were actually sequestered and protected by, like, the elves and dwarves. And now... Oh, you know, like you would have gone extinct if it wasn't for like other races like, like intervening. Oh, yeah, wow. exactly. They're like, stop shitting in the streets. <laughs> right. And stop not killing the vermin. Well, in a way, this kind of feels like where the void or not the void, but it fills the niche of like halflings where like halflings are often protected by elves and humans. And like they don't tend to have their own like full blown societies beyond like small towns. Right. They tend to intermingle. And be protected by all the bigger races. True. Um, like it, you're a halfling and you're living in a world with like, there's not many of me, like half orcs. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, another take on humanity is perhaps humans are actually feared by all the non-humans due to complete world domination. Oh. Maybe there's actually been subjugation of all the non-humans. And so like, what does that do to your D&D campaign? Perhaps rolling non-humans is really rare and like maybe that means that your D and D party has to be like four fifths human, and maybe you got one or two like non humans in the party. And what's that dynamic like? Or you're all you're all different. You're all non human races, and you're all rogues, and you're just stealthing about. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I, I mean, that would be kind of fun, really. Oh, yeah. Um, assassins. Uh, yeah. Another take is you could. It's more of like a timeline thing where like maybe 
the point of history that you're playing in humanity hasn't yet risen to prominence and maybe like this is during like the time of dragon and elven empires yeah, you're on that come up humans are still like in primitive barbaric kind of uh society okay so, like if you play like a human barbarian in this situation like where does that like that sounds actually kind of fun to me because like you you're this like human post, barbarian post stone age like yeah like humans? like yeah between the stone age and the bronze age yeah okay and then you get uh kinda, almost a roman <laughs> yeah well no not quite you're kind of far you're not even you're like babylonian times if you will okay that's good um but uh, my, my point is, like, getting to play, like, this primitive being and then being thrown into, like, these great empires and magical bullshit of, like, elves and, and dragons. And oh, all that's kind of cool. Yeah. Be really you're, like, cool. amazed all the because, time? Yeah. Because, like, in, in a lot of D&D lore, like, supposedly giants once ruled half the world until the dragons came. And, like, there was a war. And, like, meanwhile, elves were doing their thing. It's like, but no one ever plays during that time. No one ever plays a D&D set in that time. That's interesting. And I think it would be really fucking well, cool everything's to do unfolding, that. like, the prominence of humanity is starting to get their footing, like, right. in those years. Right, exactly. So there's a lot of things you could do with humans. They don't have to be this vanilla representation of real-life humans, although I think that is awesome and great, and it's usually why are all humans, but... Um, but It'd yeah. be cool if like humans were the first adventurers, you know, like really starting to go out and tackle like like learning about other cultures and then returning with like their spoils pretty much of knowledge. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I mean, in a way, it kind of is like that, except for it's often like it's like it's like humans are they're not technically the first, but it's been so long since the elves went and did that. And then went and isolated themselves. That they might as well be the first because no yeah, one else has elves done are it. Like, in we did all that, and we have everything we need. Exactly, and that's kind and of like the theme coming. with elves is like their culture has become stagnant and uh, it, it no longer evolving because like they, they see it as perfect. They see it's not even that they see it as perfect, but it's almost like elves are too scared to do anything because they've made enough mistakes to realize that like pride leads to folly, which leads to the fall of their civilization. So, <laughs> That's a whole like other thing. Like they're scared of like walking outside and getting hit by a bus. Yeah. This path works why I walk off of it. Right. So. Okay. So that's my that's my take on humans. That's basically all I have to say about humans. Uh, do you have anything else to say about humans? I mean, like just that if you haven't rolled one before, they're a lot more interesting than they look. Yeah, I agree. I, I If you haven't rolled a human, just try it. I, re- I really recommend it because uh, it's a lot of fun. I, yeah. I always like being a human. So Yeah. So with that being said, I think we can call it a game. Let's do it. Let's all call right. it a game. We'll talk to you guys later. so silly that we're talking about humans <laughs> even though i have a lot to say hey there this is justin bartha i made a funny new podcast king of the egg cream it has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like lewis black i'm torn by my feelings for two women bobby cannavale you can eat it or if someone hits you you can put it on your cut melanie linsky i wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet jason ritter i can break things and pick locks and kill people michael stuhlbarg the whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better ari grainer no don't whet its appetite what are you an idiot me justin bartha that's not just any egg cream that's a lemke's special and all narrated by the hilarious richard kind this is the story of harry dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. 
So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.